Welcome to the Dear Beloved Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Jean, founder of the Beloved Collective, and together we will dive deep into relationships, femininity, and the stages leading up to marriage from a Catholic perspective. Here you'll find real conversations rooted in the truth, dispelling the lies found in our culture, and learn practical ways that we can keep Christ at the center of our lives and relationships. Dear beloved, welcome back. Today we have a great guest on our podcast, a fellow podcaster herself, Caroline Rose Owens, as many of you may know her. Um, So Caroline, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit, tell us about who you are and what you're up to. Hi, Laura Jean. Thank you so much for having me on. It's so fun to be a part of a podcast. As Laura Jean mentioned, I used to have kind of retired a little bit, but hosted the She Believed podcast. Um, which I did a couple of years ago, and I absolutely loved kind of similar format to this of just getting to talk with ladies. And that really is my passion. I think that's one of the most important things about me is um, I love working with and encouraging women in whatever way that looks like. So I myself am 24 years old. I'm from Indiana, a suburb of Indianapolis. And I recently, well, I guess not recent anymore, about two years ago, moved out to Washington, D.C. to work for a marketing startup that serves women-owned small businesses. So currently right now that looks like um, working in marketing with social media and email and all that kind of good stuff for both local and national small businesses. Um, And then the podcast definitely was part of that as well, and I hope one day to be able to get back to that. But just this season of life, when I moved, it all just got a little crazy and hectic starting a full-time job out of college, and so that had to take the back burner. Um, and now kind of moving into a new season of life as well with dating and kind of just figuring out what's next, which I know we'll talk a little bit more about today. Um, but those are kind of the big things. I've, I'm a cradle Catholic. I, I love kind of just the normal things that most girls do. I love like beauty and skincare, but also just spending a lot of time with my friends and having picnics, just really intentional time and conversation is kind of my bread and butter of a happy life. So excited to be able to talk with you today. It's a real treat. Yeah, dude, I, we're like similar in a lot of ways, like similar in like what we love, right? And that's partly why I wanted you to come on and talk about this topic. We're going to talk about dating in the modern world because I know you get it, right? We like, it's It's tough out there. (laughs) (laughs) And you've talked about it on your own podcast and I know you just have lots of good things to say about it. So I wanted to chat about that with you. So for all of you listening, we're going to talk about um, dating in the modern world today. So if this is something that strikes a chord with you, which I bet it will, (laughs) um, stay tuned for this episode. It's going to be a lot of good stuff coming at you. So um, why don't we kind of just like lay the groundwork for like how we're going to, you know, start building on this conversation. Um, what was your like experience around dating growing up? Yes. Yeah, so I want to preface all of this with like, I do not have any like formal like relationship training or things <laughs> like that. So any advice or experience that I share is just from my own life or conversations I've had with friends. So I'm not the end all be all dating expert. Certainly don't feel like an expert. Um, but I definitely have seen the ways that God has worked in my life and redeemed years of singleness that I thought dragged on forever um, to where I am now. So kind of my initial thoughts on dating slash what my experience has been was growing up in the church, 
I remember from a very young age kind of seeing like, okay, you either get married or you enter religious life. And I was like, I really do not want to be called to religious life. Like, Jesus, please don't let that happen. And I remember in high school, I kind of had this like freak out moment at a retreat of like, wow, maybe I am called to religious life because I've never had a boyfriend before. Um, and really for the couple of years I struggled with, I have no idea what my vocation is. I feel called to marriage, but I have no prospects um, or people that are interested in me. I'm certainly not interested or compatible with, but also I didn't have a desire for religious life. And I've shared this before, but I remember on another retreat in high school, I was in confession and I was just crying to the priest of like, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do with my life. Um, I have no idea what my vocation is. And I just really, really want to know. And he said words to me that were so simple, but I will never forget. And was just like, maybe God doesn't want you to know right now. Maybe this is not a season where you need to know your vocation and he just wants to get to know you and you to get to know him. And that's more than enough. And so that was really my foundation for high school and even to college and even in like a couple of years post-grad where I was single um, or even in seasons of dating where I was kind of just wrestling with, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? And when he didn't give me a clear answer, I, I rested in that piece of, okay, maybe I don't need to know right now. So while that was wonderful and beautiful advice, it certainly didn't always make it easy. Um, in high school, I definitely always wanted to date with intention. I think that's something that my parents made very clear and encouraged us in growing up and also just being in Catholic religious circles. It was something me and my friends always held ourselves to a standard of, of not just dating to date or dating because you're lonely or sad, etc. Mm -hmm. But I knew that the purpose of dating was marriage. And so I wasn't just going to willy-nilly date anyone. Um, I even remember the boy that took me to prom. I actually have a a podcast episode with him um, where I was really nervous because I thought he was like into me, liked me. And I was like, he, he wasn't Catholic. He's not Catholic. He's a wonderful Christian boy. But I was like, this just isn't going to work out because you're not Catholic and I want to marry someone that's Catholic. So mm -hmm. even at like 15, 16, I still had that understanding of like, I wanted to be equally yoked to whoever it was that I was choosing to be intentional with my time with, even if it was just in high school. Um, so when I went off to college, I really was like, all right, this is my time. Um, I saw a lot of girls from my church back home go to college, particularly Franciscan. A lot of them went to Franciscan and they all came back engaged and married and they all met their future spouses there. And I remember thinking like, great, college is going to be the time for me. Mm -hmm. And long story short, I did meet someone my sophomore year. We started dating. We dated for about 10 months and then it ended. And I just remember it kind of shattered my entire world. And I was like, what is going on here? Because I was so faithful and I, I understood that like dating was with intention and dating was for marriage that I kind of built up this idea in my mind that the first person I date is going to be the person that I marry. I've waited this long. I've waited like 21 years of my life. First one's going to be it. And when it wasn't, I was kind of like, well, now what? Did I fail? How am I ever supposed to find someone else? Like, what does this mean? I'm just going to date a bunch of people before I find the person that I marry. And so it took me a while to really wrestle with that and come to understand that that was a beautiful learning experience. And at that time, um, with that boy wasn't wasted and God taught me a lot in and after. Um, but it also kind of changed my perspective a lot of coming out of college single of feeling like, okay, I'm going to go in and meet someone. I did meet someone thinking I was going to get married and then leave with no ring and no prospects. Um, which kind of brought me to the season of life that was right before where I am now. But I, I know that I've shared a lot 
<laughs> and I can get to all those other stories later, but that kind of gives an overview of what it looked like for me looking at the, the dating years and what that dating pool looked like in my mindset of where it brought me, especially into my young 20s of where it became a lot more serious where it wasn't just like, oh, I need to meet someone. Here's mm -hmm. places with great options like college. Um, but what does it really look like to prepare myself for someone for the vocation of marriage? Totally. And I think that your um, experience with that, at least like knowing that it's for more and kind of that whole idea of it's very serious when you're in college, almost too serious, um, I think is is a lot of people's experience who grew up Catholic and in a strong Catholic community or who went to a, a Catholic school, right? Um, my experience growing up especially <laughs> was the complete opposite, ah, which is hilarious. I wanted to be a sister for so long, for so long. Wow. Yeah, I know. Any particular order? No, but I remember <laughs> growing up and we had a Carmelite monastery by our house and I remember going to visit the nuns there and just being like, just like longing to like stay with them. And of course you hear the story of like St. Therese of Lisieux and you're yeah. like, she was 14 and she was like, I'm going to stay. And I'm like, I'm going to stay. And my mom was like, no way. <laughs> That is amazing. You're the first person that I've ever heard tell me that. Really? Yes. And you want to know what's so funny is that like, I was like 12 and I was at a retreat. I know, pretty young, right? I, I had all these things figured out when I was little. Um, maybe I was not 12. I was a lot older. I was in high school, but I was at a retreat and I was like, seriously praying about it. I was like, this is what I want. Like, I don't want anything else. Like, I just want to like, I had this image of like, you know how in a church there's the tabernacle in the middle and then there's like the two like saint statues on the, either side. Yes. I wanted to just like curl up by one of the saints over there and just kind of be like live there forever. <laughs> and I remember like praying about it and it was very, a very clear no. And I was like, rude. <laughs> like, how wow. dare you? <laughs> I did not say that. That would have been really bad, but... But honest. I mean, hey, God wants us to be honest. Yeah. So I did not ever... Like, I, I did not want to date in high school. I was, like, severe aversion, <laughs> which is hilarious. And, and, you know, in college, the Lord worked on my heart. And what did I end up studying? But marriage. So here we are, <laughs> full circle. <laughs> Did that desire ever change or even now where you're at now, does it feel like? Yeah. Well, I think it, it's changed in, well, you know how the Lord works. It's either like, you know, here's a hard door in your face, go find the window or like, you know, gently working on your heart. It was the former for me. It was like, no, figure it out kind of thing. Um, so it's been a process, but I think through... Um, just sitting with the Lord in that question and also studying marriage has really helped that desire, like come from like a really natural place. Cause the more you learn about it and the more like beauty that it just like, 
envelops you in like what the reality of what marriage is I'm just like yeah I want that (laughs) so yeah anyway I love that that is so it's just funny how it's like different but also like I had a very similar um like expectation when it came to college I went to Franciscan so it was like it wasn't so much that I was like I'm gonna find someone there but I saw that happening all around me yeah oh my goodness right and you just like see it and you see like these freshmen come in and you're like y'all are like gonna propose in two weeks like can you slow down (laughs) a little bit that's what I was looking for I remember like my welcome week I was already scouting like people at my orientation I'm like you 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 show up at the Newman Center the first day and I was like well, dang, I hope we get some new students because <laughs> nobody was looking promising at that point. And that's hilarious. all I was on the lookout for. Yeah. So I guess our, our experience through like college was kind of like, like we knew what to expect, but because we expected to find someone in college, it was like post-college was never even like a question do you feel that way totally totally I'm yeah like, I'm gonna be married by the time I graduate <laughs> my mom yeah. and dad got married before my mom even graduated college so and they were high school sweethearts so I'm like surely this is gonna happen for me and then it didn't happen in high school and then when it really didn't happen in college I was like wow I have to literally come up with a whole new plan for my life because I I was the person I was like oh we'll get married and all kids I won't even have to work like this college degree is going to be for nothing like that I mean that was my mindset and so when it was even came time to like get a job I was like oh my gosh like I did not plan for this this. (laughs) yeah which is silly because even if I were to get married, like I probably would have still had to have a job or like if I didn't have kids right away, like I wouldn't just be sitting around doing nothing. So yeah. I think it was just the fear of not necessarily knowing what God was calling me to. Um, and still that uncertainty of the vocation of like, i had had an experience at another retreat, <laughs> um, all three different retreats of where I like very much felt though that God was calling me to marriage and had some people pray with me and kind of confirm that. And so why that wasn't really the question, it was still like, Lord, what, what do you want to use me for? Especially in this time of like singleness and where my time is like so abundant. And so mm-hmm. having that freedom is kind of overwhelming because you just aren't always sure what to do with it. And it's really hard and no one talks about this. It's hard as much as like, you're like, you're free and can decide for yourself. It's hard making those decisions by yourself. Totally. You know, because you're like, I just want someone to help me. I just want someone to, like, give me their opinion or, like, I want to make this decision with somebody because that's how we're wired. We're not wired to live a really selfish life making our all of our own decisions. You know, we're wired to to live in community with another. Um, So there's that. So did you move home after college or did you move out right after college? So I had a very interesting experience of I graduated in December 2019, um, so a semester early. So I had planned, that's when I launched my podcast. I was like, I'm going to take a semester off since I was so great, pat myself on the back, like graduated early. I'm going to go back and live at school, work on the podcast, do some freelance work, and like I'll think about a job later. And then a couple months went by and COVID hit in March of that year. Mm -hmm. So 
I moved home like everyone else, um, which was, it was literally the perfect time ever because I wasn't in school. I didn't have a job. I was just getting to hang at home. I had like a couple of freelance jobs that I worked. So I was like still making money, but didn't have any expenses to pay. Like didn't have any stresses and just got to be at home with my entire family for the first time in years since we, we span from 35 to 22 is the age of all my siblings. And so we all got to be around and kind of just like that last time ever before we all split up apart. It was so special, but it also created like a really weird entrance into adulthood post-grad mm-hmm. of like, here I am living in my parents' house again, not working, but like not really doing anything. And then it was that summer in June. So from December to June, I was just kind of doing some like small things on the side is when I started my job at Ringlet. So I started remotely. So I was still working from my home in Indiana. And then at the end of August, I moved out to DC to work there. Okay. So August, 2020. Yes. 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 So you were home for a few months, but of course, COVID weird, weird. Yeah, totally weird. So practically it was like you moved out after. So yeah. So it wasn't, well, even when you were home, it wasn't like who am I going to date in my hometown? <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Because one, it was COVID. So like everyone was in, in isolation, I guess there wasn't much going on. And I think I was just so consumed too by my family during that time that it wasn't mm-hmm. like, oh, I need to pursue this. I also knew that I was going to move away. I got my job offer in February. So I, I held okay. that job offer for June for a really long time. So I always knew I was going to move to D.C., Mm-hmm. And so I think I had in the back of my mind too, of like, oh, great. I get some like off time before I got to like really be on when I move at the end of the summer. Yeah. So when you did end up moving, what did that look like in terms of like dating life? Yes. So again, kind of, I think those like fresh starts, new ecosystems, like provides this hope of I'm about to walk into a place with like mm-hmm. millions of like beautiful, holy men. And that's kind of what my... <laughs> My idea of DC was I was a part of like DC Catholic groups on Facebook and stuff, trying to find roommates and stuff. And I'm like, wow, there's just like such great community. Um, But meanwhile, my sister had moved out here a year before I did and was like struggling to make friends, like didn't really know a ton of people. And so I don't know why I had this like hopeful mentality. I think that's just who I am, very optimistic. And so when I moved out, I would say like, yes, dating was like on my mind and I'm definitely not still, but I was the person that like, I would pass someone on the street and be like, are you going to stop and like, say hi to me? And like, are we just going to fall in love with like some stranger that I pass or at Mm -hmm. mass? Like anyone I would see, it'd be like, could this be like a future prospect? Um, but it took so long to even just make friends, like good girlfriends that I, I always have known that that's what's most important. Um, that's been like my biggest prayer forever. And as I said, like, I love being able to build community with women. So that was really my focus for a while. And then, yeah, I got to this place of like, all right, well, I'm not meeting any men. Let's turn to the dating apps. And it kind of started out as a joke with some of my friends and I and my sister. Um, But then it was like, wow, like there's a lot of good people on here. I did hinge, so I didn't even do the Catholic match thing. And I know people have asked me like, should Catholics be on dating apps? Is that bad? Like, can you find good people? And I was on board of like, you know, might as well try whatever. Um, I have an older sister that's in her thirties that 
had has had been struggling to meet someone even up until her 30s and met someone on a dating app and I was like all right you know what like this is just kind of the world we live in like gotta suck up the pride and so kind of started as a joke like we just talk to people again you can like filter on these apps of like catholic conservative whatever it is that you want and so I was coming up with some like decent men but like it would say like they're Catholic, but it's like, oh yeah, like I believe in birth control or I believe in sex before marriage or like I only go to church every every five years. I don't know. Like, and you kind of started being like, all right, like these people are kind of like phonies on here. Mm-hmm. I did go on one date out of all of the matches that I had. I went on one date with this very sweet guy. Um, we just went and grabbed coffee and it, it just, we just did not hit it off. I, I texted him afterwards. I was like, thank you, but no, thank you. Um, but it was just a good reminder of like getting yourself out there. And it was like, how do you interact on dates? What is good etiquette? Like, what are questions to ask yourself? Because before that date, I was like Googling, like what to ask on a date. Like I was, I was so nervous. I like felt so out of the game. It had been like two and a half years since I dated someone. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, this is so uncomfortable. And I, Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm someone that can talk to anyone. So I think Dating is a beautiful skill. I think just keeping in mind that it's an opportunity to encounter Christ in someone in a way that only they can offer Christ to the world and not as this like, oh, I'm looking for like the perfect person that is like beautiful and smart and like every quality under the sun that you like desire in your future spouse. But like, it's just an opportunity to get to know people. It takes a lot of the pressure off. And it also... Mm -hmm helps change your perspective of from like, wow, every guy on the street to like, how do I build intentional friendship with men first? And what does it look like to see them as a brother of Christ? Um, Cause I think that was hard for me. I think I just looked at everyone as a potential spouse instead of seeing everyone as my brother in Christ so that I can help get to heaven in whatever way I can in whatever time our paths cross. So I think setting like a good mindset towards that is really helpful. Um, But yeah, dating in a city is hard because there's lots of people, but like there's not a lot of deep connections, at least I've noticed in D.C. um, Yeah, which is so funny because, you know, I come from a small town and when I was stuck there for a while, it was like there there's nobody (laughs) like there's just nobody. And it's like, you know, that's when the pressure to be on those apps kind of came in. And then I was like, well, I'm going to move to a city with a lot of people, so I'll be fine. Yeah. And it's just comical to me that it's like, okay, out in the country where there's nobody and you need a way to meet people, it's almost like less of a need for dating apps than like in a city. Totally. Where there, like there's a, abundant people. But, but this city life is just so different. Like people just don't talk to each other, but you're so right. It's like those, those really surface level relationships, like no one even looks at each other when they walk past oh each other. Oh my goodness. That is like it's my biggest very weird. It's very weird <laughs> and uncomfortable. And then when you, when someone does talk to you, you're like, whoa, like, <laughs> what do you want from me? <laughs> I I remember feeling that shift of like from being from the Midwest of like I would go on walks and every single person would say hi, be so friendly and moving to the city, no one would look me in the eye. And so say I would be out somewhere and someone would approach me and say something like I got to this point of being like really on guard of like, why are you talking to me? Like, what is your intention here? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I would like catch myself and be like, Caroline, stop that. Like, 
I still want you to like see the best in people. Like, don't think everyone's just trying to take something from you. But yeah, the city offers a very different perspective on community and what it looks like to build relationships. And I think there's, right, exactly that. And I think there's an opportunity there to like build those muscles of like learning how to be a friend, like not even to be a friend, but to like make friends. Like that's something that honestly we aren't really ever taught, you know, because like sometimes, you know, when you're a kid and you're like go to school for the first time or whatever, I never went to school. So that's not really applicable to me, but, um, you know, when your parents are like, you know, go say hi to these people. Like, I don't know, like you still aren't really like sat down and be like, you have to ask them questions about themselves too, or, um, you know, whatever. So it just becomes, and if you, if you don't have like strong friendships growing up and you don't learn those things on your own, then it becomes kind of like such a need for community and such a need for friendship. Then it becomes all about you. And it's like, I need this. So like, I'm just going to grab at whoever can give me attention. Right. And I'm just going to take all that I can because I have nothing to give. Where like, if you had real relationships, you would be giving and getting like, that's the the reciprocal relationship. Um, yeah, I digress. <laughs> no, that's no, that's so good. And it's, it, that seems to be a common theme in my life right now. My boyfriend and I actually talk a lot about that of like, we see so much success in our relationship because we both, before we even came together, lived such full lives. Like we were both investing in community. We were both working on our relationships with God. We both had other passions. And so when we came together, it wasn't like, I need you. I need you to fulfill me. I need you to like pour into me because I'm empty. It was like, let my cup overflow into yours. And we say that all the time of like, I just feel like my cup's full and you just overflow it. I was even listening to another podcast this morning that talked about that of um, like at the wedding feast of Cana, like we have to go to God, we have to go to Jesus to like have him fill up our, our barrels of wine. And then like the overflow is what we receive from our spouse. But it's never like if we go to our spouse with an empty barrel and we're expecting them to pour in, then like we don't have anything to give back to them and it becomes really dangerous. So even for people that are single, like, I think that's always one of the best pieces of advice that I can offer. And something that I'm, I'm so glad that people had shared with me before was that like, invest in yourself, invest in your girlfriends, Mm -hmm. like invest in finding things that you love to do and bring you life because like your life isn't like magically transformed when you start dating or when you get married, not all your Mm -hmm. problems are solved. Not all your insecurities go away. Like it, it honestly, so like your, your things become heightened. Like marriage becomes like a mirror to all your, your flaws. And so you need to make sure that you feel confident and you have your foundation in Christ before you're ever searching that from someone else. And I think that's what makes it a beautiful relationship is that you feel confident in who you are and who God created you to be. Amen. So true. So true. What's up, beloved fam? It's me, Laura Jean, interrupting this episode to tell you about my flagship program, Made Beloved. Made Beloved is a proximate marriage preparation program that was designed with single individuals and dating couples in mind. When I was getting my master's in marriage and family theology, I was filled with so much gratitude that I got to study those topics as a single woman. I knew what I was learning was changing my life not only then, but would change everything moving forward. I created this program not as a typical marriage preparation program where you already know who and when you're getting married, 
but more to answer the big questions of, was I made for this? What are these longings teaching me about the design of God for marriage? Is there really something that can fulfill all of these desires of my heart? And if there is, how? How do I start building a life that supports this beautiful design of the Creator? We go over all of that and more in the 12-week Made Beloved program. I only open up registration a couple of times a year, so go to thebelovedcollective.com to learn more and to sign up for our waitlist to be the first to know when registration opens up. Looking for curated, beautiful paper goods and intentional products to simplify your life? Then look no further than Beloved Co. Shop. Yes, my very own product shop is coming August 9th. I have poured myself into curating these products for you and I cannot wait to get them into your hands. Each product is made with the intention of helping you live well in the present moment, stationery to connect with others, desk pads to help us remember what's really important as we plan out our weeks, and so much more. Intentional Catholic products to help you be a saint now and prepare you well for your future. These also make excellent gifts, so if you're looking for a gift for someone special in your life, check out the Beloved Co. shop on our website, thebelovedcollective.com. That's beloved, spelled B-L-V-E-D. So getting back on track now. <laughs> you were in a new city. You know, things aren't going so great in the dating world. Now where are you? Tell us how you got there. <laughs> yes. So stopped trying the dating apps. Um, I was just kind of like, eh, this isn't meant for me right now. That's okay. Um and one day I had a friend, um, some friends, like a group of girls that had like a combined Instagram account where they just like post about their lives in DC, different like fun trends, et cetera. And they were having like different people do Instagram story takeovers. So one day they asked me to do like a day in my life. And so I went on, I was like showing what I was eating for breakfast, like showing what I was doing for work. And I did one of those like question boxes on Instagram and actually one of my friends who I had done the dating apps with, like had known that like, obviously things weren't going well and like jokingly wrote in there, like, how's your dating life? And so I posted it and I had this ring on and I like posted a photo of me like this and was like pointing to the ring. Like this is, this ring's not an engagement ring. Like if you know anyone, like hit your girl up, help her out. And People just like laughed, whatever. And so I logged off for the day. It wasn't my account, so I like gave away the password and stuff. And then that night, one of the girls that owned the account like sent me a message and was like, hey, like you have a suitor from your Instagram story. And I'm like, <laughs> oh boy. And so she's like, it's this guy, Scott, and sends me the screenshot that he sends in. And it said like swipes up on my story that said like help a girl out and was like, this may be unconventional, but I think I may be able to help. And like super funny, pretty charming. But the funny thing is, is like maybe two weeks earlier, I was driving home with this girl from a bridal shower and she was like, you know what? I have this friend, Scott, that I think would be great for you. And she shows me his photo on Instagram and I'm like, nah, he's not my type. Like I'm fine. And so that was that. And then he was the one that slid up and sent the message. And so when she told me that, I was like, oh, like I already kind of was like, this guy's not my vibe. <laughs> <laughs> but <clears throat> everyone has always told me, especially my mom, like always go on a first date. It's always worth just giving someone one date to get to know them. It's good practice, etc. Mm. And so I was like, all right, like, I mean, sure, give him my number. And so then 
the next day, excuse me, <coughs> the next day I receive like a paragraph text from him of like, hello, this is Scott. Like, sorry if this is weird, but Teresa gave me your number. Like, would love to get to know you, blah, 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 blah. How's your night going? And so I was like, you know what? Like, good for him being bold, reaching out to this girl he doesn't know. I'll like respond back. So we're talking a little bit. And the next day he's like, this is like no way to get to know each other. Like let's meet up for um, a drink or something. He did not use the word date, which I still give him some slack for now. So gentlemen, I don't know if you are listening, but if you are always use the word date, clarity is key. Now I knew he was asking me out on a date because I knew the circumstances. So it was like no gray area there. Um, but still that week we went and got a drink together and we're there for five hours and just talked about everything under the sun. Um, I like met him in person. I remember thinking like, Oh, he's like cuter in person than he was online. And he was like completely different than I imagined. Like I, from his Instagram page, so judgmental, here's me like scrolling through every photo that he's ever taken. Like thinking he's going to be like super loud and obnoxious, like life of the party that like only ever talks like I don't know how I could get all of that from a few photos on Instagram but that's what I thought (laughs) I was walking into which that is who I dated in the past and that did not fare well for me and so I just kind of already had written him out in my mind but when we sat down he was like kind of shy a little bit quiet asked me a ton of questions about myself like just took a lot of interest in me which I felt like no one had really done before Um, and it didn't feel like just surface level. It just really felt like he would ask something I would share and he'd want to know more, um, and would freely give his opinion and share about himself too, which was really nice. So we left that date after five hours and he drove me home and we ran into my sister and boyfriend outside the house. And I couldn't even remember his name when I went to introduce him. Like that was my, (laughs) that was my impression of the date. Like I couldn't even remember his name. And so I was kind of like, you know, like that was really great, but mm, like, I don't really see it going anywhere. And then story goes, asks me on another date. We just keep going on these dates. And it got to a point where I was like, I don't really know. I, I wasn't like not into him, but it wasn't like I was obsessed with him. And that's just always what I imagine. Like there has definitely been boys in my life where I've just been like obsessed with it. I'm like, this is my husband. Like, this is it. And we would never even date it. Like I just built up this whole thing in my mind. So this was so different compared to all of that because it was like, oh, I don't know how I feel like I'm enjoying my time together, but like, he's not what I like had pictured for my future husband in the sense of like how he looks, maybe what some of his hobbies are, what his job is, like, et cetera. And so truthfully, it took a lot of time to like tear down that ideal that I had built up and really be able to see him for who he was and without any type of expectation or, um, I don't know, mold that I was trying to fit him into. So that, that like dating period lasted almost four months from September to December. And I was just very honest the whole time. And ladies, I think like that is just such an important thing to be with men of like, it's okay if you don't know if you want to marry him after the first date or the second date or the third date. But I think honesty is the best way to go because I would continue to say like, Hey, I don't really know like if this is something that is like what I want to pursue long-term, but it's not something that I like don't want to. 
So you can like take that or leave that. Like if you want someone that's like very sure of you and is ready to commit, then like, please like let me not waste your time and you go find someone else. And every time he was like, there's no rush. Like, I just want to get to know you. I want you to get to know me. And we're just very patient, Mm -hmm. which kind of bothered me because I think I wanted, I was, I think I wanted (laughs) someone to be like, no, you're too much work. Like I'll go find someone else. Yeah. And he just consistently showed up and showed up and it got to a point where he was like, can't you just like, give me a chance? Like, why don't you just give me a chance? And I remember that really kind of like did it for me of like, yeah, like what is holding me back here of, I, I recognize myself going back into the spiral of like the next person I date, I have to marry. And so I have to decide right now if I'm going to marry this guy in a year and two years and before I even start dating him. And I think that's a really common thing that people in Christian Catholic circles fall into is like not just letting yourself live in the moment of making prudent decisions, obviously, of like, is this someone you could marry? But just because you're going to date them doesn't mean you have to marry them. So took me a long time to kind of just remind myself of that. I knew that in my head, but like living that out was really difficult. So it actually got to the point where we ended up taking some time apart, like a week without talking so I could further discern. And that was his, his idea. And he was very respectful of that. And it got to the middle of the week and I knew he was traveling and I texted him and was like, safe travels. And in that moment, I knew like the fact that I couldn't go the whole week apart was like kind yeah. of that turning point there. And then from then on, we kind of dated like that, like for another month and then started dating officially in December. So it's kind of crazy, a long journey, um, and, but it, it's just so different than what I've ever imagined. I think I, I just had this picture in my mind of like this fairy tale love and man and truthfully, like something that I've been talking a lot about is that like Scott is better than any of my expectations or things that I had, but it's really difficult when people say that and you're like, well, if it's better than what you expected, then shouldn't it be better right off the bat? But Mm -hmm. I think it takes a lot. Sometimes if we have someone built up in our head of who we're going to marry or an ideal, even a job, whatever it may be, you can insert whatever that desire is of tearing down like what you imagine for what the reality is and recognizing that like, God provided things in Scott for me that I could have never pictured for my future husband. Yes. He's not like six, six and blonde and like blue eyes. Like that's different. That's something that I've had to be like, okay, like that's just not my, not my journey, but it doesn't mean like, I think he's unattractive. Like, no, no, no. Like I am very much attracted to him. Like, I think that's also important too. Like, don't just like date a guy. Cause you think you have to, like, you do need to be attracted to them. Like you need to have children one day. Like all those things are so important, but discerning what is like letting go of expectations and like accepting what you have in front of you for the good and beauty that it is versus settling or being like too picky. I I do think that is a thing. I think being too picky can become a a challenge. Oh, 100%. And I think like the expectations of like the fairy tale mentality of like, this is going to be, there's going to be fireworks and like when I like see him I'm going to like I don't know faint I don't know like you know what I mean yeah. but like it's real and even like I've had conversations with friends recently who were just like I'll just know and I'm like no you won't like yeah. it's like you know it's like a, a friend like you could be best friends okay for example my best friend she's gonna hate that I'm saying this but (laughs) no names we like we like got along when we first met but we kind of were like 
stuck with each other because we were in college and we were in this like household thing and like we had to be um like together a lot of time and you know it wasn't always our decision but through that right like any childhood friend who you're like in school with from kindergarten like you can't get away from them so you might as well be friends with them kind of thing yeah not I that sounded really bad <laughs> I get it we, I get where you're going though but, but you know what I mean so it's like it sometimes it takes time to really uncover the whole person and to see them for like the whole picture and to see how valuable they are and when we're looking through the the lens for like a spouse it's like the stakes are higher right because you can have multiple friends but you're only gonna have one spouse so it's like you know the stakes are higher so then you're even more picky and then you're even more like I need to be swept off my feet or it's not gonna work it because that's what we see in the movies and that's what we see in fairy tales and that's you know everyone has somebody who's that's their story but the reality is is that not everyone's story is that and I love that your story is different and I love that it took more time like because now you you get to like really appreciate everything about him because honestly in fairy tales and in movies especially it's like they get to know a very shallow like person like they get to know somebody very shallowly and their relationship doesn't really have very much substance, right? Like, pick any chick yeah. flick, right? And then, like, the 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 main character goes to, like, her best girlfriend and it's, like, essentially, like, he's a 10 but, you know, that, like, trend that's going around? <laughs> yes. Like, he's everything but he has no personality. And you're like, oh, my gosh. Like, you just found this out after you've been, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's, like, it's affecting how we expect our own lives to go, which is kind of crazy. Because I think with anything else, we can be like, oh, what do you expect to get a job like in the movies and get this car like in the movies? You'd be like, no, that's ridiculous. I live, I live in the real world. But when it comes to, like, love, like, which is, like, the most real thing, it's like, yeah, of course, that's, that's what I'm, like, desperate for yeah and I think it comes down to like where people are planning their examples for love right like if you're turning to the movies if you're turning to celebrities and social media like you're seeing such a cheap form of love versus like mm -hmm. as Catholics we have the beauty of looking at that like the ultimate love is Jesus on the cross and that is sacrifice like that is the mm -hmm. veil being torn to like reveal like the scariest like most hurtful things but that is where like true love is outpoured and to kind of go along with that as well is just this culture that we live in of like this very throwaway, like fast food, like I can have yeah. whatever I want when I want it. There's a million options. And this would going back to the dating apps as well. It's like, I do want to say, like, I think where it can get really tricky is when you think there's always going to be something better out there, that there's always going to be mm -hmm. a better option, that there's never any reason yeah. that like you should pick one person. And it's, it's scary because I didn't even realize that I had taken on this mentality until we were dating. Like I would have never said like, Oh my gosh, no. Like, you know, like you pick one person, like there's no, there's no reason to keep looking mm -hmm. yet. Like one day Scott and I were sitting at dinner and I remember telling him like, I don't really know why we need to like be called like girlfriend and boyfriend. Like 
I just don't think that's necessary. <laughs> like I could still break up with you even when we're dating. Like we're not married until we're married and there's just like, you know, that's how it goes. So I don't think we need to put a title on it. But what that was truly saying was like, I'm afraid that this isn't going to work out. And why am I going to waste my time only on you when I should keep my options open? Like I was not ready at that time to be able to just be exclusive. Like I was still in that mentality of like looking at every person that came across my way of like, could you be my future husband? Could you be my future husband? Mm -hmm. And it took a lot for me to kind of like push out that perspective of like, no, like this is a choice. Love is a choice. Like you get to choose the Mm -hmm. person. Like, yes, there could always be someone that's better looking or someone that has more money, like, especially as you get older, right? Like all those things, there's always going to be grass is greener on the other side. Yeah. Like who is it that you want to choose to work towards heaven for? And when that was able to shift, that was really when it was like, wow, like I was holding back so much from him and like mm-hmm. our relationship changed so much in the most beautiful ways. And I was able to say, no, like, I don't want these other people in it. And it did take me like, not necessarily going on dates, but like having conversations with other men and then being like, oh no, like you're not as good as Scott. Or like, I would just find myself interacting with men and being like, oh, now I like how Scott does this better, etc. And so it, it took me longer to do so, but I think like recognizing that like what you have before you is a choice and there's going to be some things that like yes you're going to have to compromise on that are like small obviously don't compromise on the big things um but choose what it is that you want and then be confident in that choice and of course you can change you can change that choice until you're married so like you're not you're not stuck until then but it's kind of like like shopping around is kind of the mentality of like you know I worked in a, a bridal salon like a selling wedding dresses so I see this all the time right somebody comes in they didn't commit to this dress that they had tried on before but they brought it in picture and it's like this is the one to be and then they're like trying on seven eight dresses and then they're like well I like it but but does it compare does it compare to this one but yet like the the like mindset of like I'm afraid I'm gonna miss out on the one because I didn't feel like that was the one a hundred percent do you know what I mean and it's like we have to stop like putting all of our eggs in the basket of like our feelings (laughs) do you know what I mean of being like feelings are not true you know um yeah and I think that like a lot of these struggles for somebody who's like never really had a successful relationship or just like a relationship that was good or that went anywhere it can be really hard to be like you know what's the what's the point almost like almost wanting to like skip dating altogether but but like I know that I mean I know not experientially but like (laughs) you know um mentally I can think like there's got to be, I mean, obviously there's a point to dating to discern, like if you're going to um, marry that person, but like there's more to it than that. It's more, there's, there's more to that gift and that there, there should be joy there. So can you like touch on that a little bit and maybe like for somebody who hasn't experienced that, like what they have to look forward to? Yes. I think there's lots of joy in dating and it's been so fun. And as we kind of get more serious and talk about like engagement and what's next there it's like oh I feel kind of sad that like we're not going to be dating anymore even though like I'm so excited and ready to be married Mm -hmm. um I think that's something that people forget 
a lot and especially the Catholic culture. And I've, I've seen this a lot with people that are close to me actually, is that they take dating so seriously that they forget that it's supposed to be like a fun, enjoyable time and, and time that you'll never get back in your relationship. Because once you get engaged, Mm -hmm. then you're busy planning a wedding. Once you get a wedding, like you're busy buying a house or you're having children, like the season is so unique and so beautiful in such a unique way that like, it is a time to like get to go do fun things together and like expand your friend groups and like see what the other person's like in group settings and one-on-one and just experience life together in a unique way. Mm-hmm. And of course, I think it's it's so important to have those like tough, real conversations pretty upfront. Like, of course you don't want to waste your time. Like if someone doesn't agree on like sex or divorce or like all of these like very serious things mm-hmm. about the church or the morals that you have, like, that needs to be a conversation. And then like, you kind of need to decide like yes or no from there. Um, or if there's things like, you know, like pornography, I think is always a really good discussion to have when you're talking about sexual boundaries, etc. And like, maybe that's a deal breaker for you. Maybe you're not going to date someone that has a pornography addiction, or maybe they struggle like off and on and they're seeking help. And like, you decide that you're going to help them through that. Like, There's just so many important things that you need to discuss as a couple that Mm -hmm. does affect your dating life and will affect some of those, some of that like feel good, happy, joyful feelings. But I think more times than not, your, your dating relationship should a bring you joy and like laughter and peace, um, joy and laughter. But then the main thing I think is peace is that like, if you do not feel peace in your relationship, then like, I'm sorry, but that is probably not right for you because What are the signs of the Holy Spirit? Joy and peace. And that is how you know that he is present. And a prayer that I always pray is like, Lord, this is where I, you have me right now. But like, if this is not what you want from me, like make it abundantly clear, like take it away if this isn't what you want. But if it is what you want, like continue forward and like make it clear that it is. And Mm -hmm. that was a prayer that I had prayed since the beginning of Scott and I's relationship, which is a really scary prayer to pray because I've prayed it before and he has taken things away from me. And I'm like, what the heck? That's not what I meant by that. Um, but it's this like open hand posture of like, Lord, like whatever gifts you give me aren't mine that like you have Mm -hmm. the freedom to take them away. You're the one that gave them. And especially seeing that with your boyfriend, girlfriend, fiance, whoever it is, because I mean, in the end, like they're not yours too. Like marriage is mm-hmm. till death. And then beyond that, like you're handing them back to the creator and like you did everything you could to hopefully get them to heaven. But to see, like asking yourself, like, is there joy and is there laughter here? Um, what to look forward to in dating? Like having the joy of like allowing someone to see all of you, like I think mm-hmm. is a scary, but really beautiful thing of, I remember like the first time I had like, a mental breakdown because I was on my period and like nothing looked good. And we were like trying to go to dinner, Scott and I, and I was just like lost it. He just like sat there and was just like really kind and patient. And I just remember thinking like, this is so embarrassing that he's seeing me like this, but like, what a good test because like, this is my life. Like any girl understands it. Like every couple of weeks you're going through some, some big feelings that like the littlest thing can set you off or you, can feel like the most beautiful, confident person one day. And the next day you're like, everyone's better than me. I'm nothing. Like, mm-hmm. why am I so ugly? And so like allowing someone to see those things in you, I think are important because you want to make sure that they are able to receive that and respond well. And 
trust me, boys are not going to be perfect. Like they really do not understand. And like, you're gonna have to tell them about it. And you're also going to have to just find really good girlfriends that you can talk to as well, because Mm -hmm. your partner's not going to know everything and they're not going to be able to feel everything in your heart. But I think it's really beautiful to, to make yourself a gift of someone and recognize that like you can meet someone that can pour into you enough where like you aren't worrying about what you, what you're receiving because you just need to be focused on what you're giving. And Mm-hmm. It's really beautiful. It's challenging at times, but it's it's a really beautiful gift to have. Yeah. No, that that is really beautiful. And I can see just like – because that's a, such a desire of our heart, right, to be seen and to be known and yet to be loved. Absolutely. You know, and, and that's all like, of like the worst parts of you. Yeah. And the best parts, right? We We want someone to like rejoice over the best parts of us. And still accept the worst parts of us. Yeah. 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 And I think women often think like, oh, no, like that's not really real. People don't do that. But like there are good men out there. Like I I just get so nervous for my friends because I'm like, y'all are just taking the bare minimum. Like Mm. men rise to the level that women set. Like as Fulton, she said, like the level of society is like based on like the level of the women and Actually, during COVID, funny enough, now that I'm thinking about it, when I went on a couple of dates with this guy that I knew from college and we both kind of knew like, nah, this like isn't really working out, but I was sharing with him and so the advice that he gave me was like, Caroline, like you like never feel like you're asking too much from a man, like never feel like you are demanding too much of them. Like there's always more to demand because men will rise to the level that women set. And to hear that from a man that like, wanted nothing like romantic with me. It was just like a really good solid friend. It was like, yeah, like you have already called me to be a better man by the way that like you're living by the way that you allow me to lead you. And I think we have such a beautiful role as women in that way that we can be afraid of or feel like, oh my gosh, no guy's ever going to like me if I am like Mm -hmm. asking them to do X, Y, Z, but like, no, like you deserve a man that is going to give you that and more. And ultimately is choosing Christ before you and anything that he does, because that is the only way he will ever be able to love you. Yeah, exactly. To love you through the cross, not around it, not mm-hmm. under it, just like <laughs> through it. Totally. Totally. I love that. That's beautiful imagery. Yeah. So, well, thank you so much for being here with us today, sharing your wisdom, sharing your stories, sharing your experience. It's uh, always good to hear um, from somebody who is further along in the journey. <laughs> It like makes me laugh because it still like sometimes doesn't seem real. I'm like, I still kind of like see myself as like the single girl, single girl. Cause that was just like always me. I was always like, yeah, let me give the advice on single. I was on a panel about like uh, relationships and I was the one giving perspective on being single. And I'm like, now I'm the one sitting here about dating. So like, <laughs> also I hope that brings hope to people that are listening that are like, I'm always single. Like I'm always a single friend. Like it takes one guy to change that only one. So trust that God, if that is the vocation that he's chosen for you, you are never behind schedule. He is never off that he knows the perfect timing. Amen. Well, thank you so much for being here again. And, um, I'll talk to you all later. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into the Dear Beloved podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or many on social media and leave a rating and review. And don't forget to follow along at the Beloved Collective on Instagram and YouTube. That's Beloved spelled B-L-V-E-D.